Our reading today comes from the second book of Kings, chapter 22, verses 1 through 20, and then chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. You can follow along in your bulletin on page 7. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jediah, daughter of Adiah of Bokath. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, son of Azilah, son of Meshulam, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to the high priest, Hilakah, and give him count of the entire sum of the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold collected from the people. Let it be given to the, to the hand of the workers who have the oversight and of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the workers who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, that is, to the carpenters, the builders, to the masons, and let them use it to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered to their hand, in their hand, for they deal honestly. The priest, Hilakai, said to Shopham, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. When Hilakai gave the book to Shopham, he read it. Then Shopham, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, your house, your servants have emptied our money, out the money, and that was found in the house, and delivered it to the hand of the Lord. Shaphan the secretary informed the, pre, the king, the priest Hilakah gave me a book. Shaphan then read it aloud to the king. When the king heard the words of the book, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded the priest Hilakah, Achim, son of Shaphan, Abchor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and the king's servant, Aziah, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me. For the people and all of Judea concerning the words of this book that have been found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book to all, according to all that is written concerning us. So the priests, Hilakah, Akiham, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to the prophetess Huldah, wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. She resided in Jerusalem in the second quarter where they consulted her. She declared to them, thus says the Lord God, the house of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, I will indeed bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of this book that the king Judah has read. Because they have abandoned me and have made offerings to other gods, so that they have provoked me to anger with all their work of their hands, therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. But as to the king of Judah, you, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse. And because you have torn your clothes and wept because before me, 
I have also heard you, says the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. They took the message back to the king. The king then directed to all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to be gathered to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord and went with him and all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. He read in their reading all the words of, this, of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees, his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. All the people joined in the covenant. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. When I was reading this text, I, like I usually like to do, thought about something in science fiction. And what I was thinking about was an episode actually of the original series of Star Trek. The episode is called The Omega Glory. Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy beam down to this planet that is called Omega-4. They end up in a planet that seems to be where the people who are there live a very primitive existence. The trio is immediately captured by a group, a tribe, that is called the Comms. While in prison, they meet another person, a person from another tribe who is named Cloud William. And the, this rival tribe was called the Yangs. After a while, the three, including the Cloud William, escaped and ended up in the Yangs' village. While they're in one of their buildings, Kirk notices something that he notices that is very familiar. What he sees is a version of the American flag. It is then that Kirk and Spock put it together, that this planet was very similar to Earth. They went through their own version of the Cold War, except that at some point, the war became hot. Over the years, the two tribes still fought. And the names of the tribes were actually shortened for who they were. The Yangs, of course, meant Yankee. The Coms meant communist. These tribes, tribes still fought, but they had fought so long that they forgot why they were fighting. And then, at some point, Kirk hears something coming, that they read something from the, what they call their sacred scroll, and it sounds incredibly familiar to him. And it turns out to be the preamble to the Constitution. And the episode concludes that just before they beam back to the Enterprise, Kirk tells the people, tells the Yangs, to remember why these words were written, because they had forgotten the context. They had forgotten the meaning of what these words meant. But the document that they read from, that sacred scroll, was not just 
for the Yangs. It was for the Kams as well. That this meaning was not specific, it was universal. Every culture in this world is formed by stories. But those stories can get lost. They can get forgotten. Sometimes they're forgotten by they're actually we just forget the stories. And sometimes we remember the stories, but we don't remember why the stories happened or what the context was. History is always filled with things that we have to always rediscover because things get lost in all of the, as history marches forth. And that's what happened here in the text today. We're introduced to a new, a king, a king called Josiah. He is a king, the king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom. And he is an anomaly because he is actually a good king. He came, all, many of the kings that came before him were not good. In fact, usually whenever they introduced some of these kings, the, fra the phrase that was always brought up is so-and-so who is a king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. Many of the kings were people who were who ruled unjustly. They were the people who take the, the temple treasury to build idols and temples for other gods. They were, this was basically the norm in Judah. Josiah was different. He feared the Lord. He trusted in God. That didn't make him special. What that made him was normal. He was doing what a king was supposed to do, something that had long been forgotten. Josiah was trying to rebuild the temple. It had gone through some damage of wars in the past, and it was during this reconstruction that a mysterious document is found. It's sent to the king, and they realize that it is Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of the Torah. Somehow, this scroll had become lost to history. This is the law that was given to the people as they journeyed from Egypt, from slavery, into the Promised Land. You would think that they, you wouldn't lose a document like that, but they did. This had shown that this was a, an example of how far, in so many ways, that they had fallen away from God. That they had even they had lost an important document such as this, not, and not even know in many ways that it was lost. So Josiah asked that the scroll be read to him. And it is. And he probably wished, after he had the scroll read, that he never said anything. <laughs> For so many years, he realizes after this reading that the nation is in trouble. Because for so many years, king after king, the people had compromised and compromised and compromised their faith. The kings had ruled without any sense of justice, and the people had fallen so far that God could not take it anymore. Judgment was coming. The kingdom was doomed. Josiah tears his clothes as a sign of mourning and also repentance. Josiah then orders 
his advisors to find out what can be done. Maybe there is something that can be done to prevent what's going to happen. So his advisors go to Hulda. And Hulda is unusual because she is one of the few women prophets that are mentioned in the Bible. She tells the advisors not what they want to hear. The thing is, it was too late. The disobedience of the people was so great that nothing could be done to prevent what was going to happen. But there was a bright spot, at least for Josiah. Because Josiah had been faithful, because he tore his clothes in mourning and repentance, he would not live to see this downfall. When all of this happens, something odd happened to him. When you are told that you don't have any hope, when things are going to be dark, there is no way to change things, you might think that you want to just give up. And Josiah could have simply said, you know, at least I don't have to face this, and gone on his way. But he didn't. Instead, he puts the nation on a reform, basically setting up reforms in the nation. We, won't, we don't read the last few verses of chapter 23, because it's, at least in today's passage, but I, it's important that we hear this, because you want to know what the extent was of the reform, his reform campaign. So I want to read it, and I'm reading it from a different version um, than what we normally read. The king now commanded the people, celebrate the Passover to God, your God, exactly as directed in this book of the covenant. This commanded Passover has not been celebrated since the days that the judges judged Israel. None of the kings of Israel and Judah had celebrated it. But in the 18th year of the rule of the king, Josiah, this very Passover was celebrated to God in Jerusalem. Josiah scrubbed the place clean and trashed the spirit mediums, the sorcerers, domestic gods, and carved figures, all the vast accumulation of foul and obscene relics and images on display everywhere you looked in Judah and in, the king, in Jerusalem. Josiah did this in obedience to the words of God's revelation written in the book that Hilkah the priest found in the temple of God. There was no king to compare with Judah, neither before nor after. A king who turned in total and repentant obedience to God, heart and mind and strength, following the instructions revealed to and written by Mo Moses. The world would never again see a king like Josiah. Now, he, as you can tell, went in all the way. He, went, he didn't matter that the nation was doomed, it was important for the nation to get right with God. In Josiah's mind, it did not matter that there was no hope. What did matter was to establish something that was lost, to establish the relationship with their God. This was not done to please God, because, but because this was what the people 
of Israel were called to do. The people were called to make sure that the main thing was the main thing. We did not read it, but this text also comes with a, a companion text in the New Testament. And it's a familiar one from the 24th chapter of Luke. And, of course, this is a story of the road to Emmaus, where two disciples are walking along the road, and Jesus joins them. And they don't know it's Jesus. And they walk throughout the better part of the day, not knowing who this was, until they sat down for dinner with this stranger, and he broke bread. And then they realize something that they thought had been lost hadn't been lost. It was there right in front of them. So what are we missing? What are we not seeing? How are we missing God at work in our world? Today, on the liturgical calendar, it is called Christ the King Sunday. It is usually the Sunday, the last Sunday before Advent. Advent starts next week. Some people are always kind of a little afraid of the concept of Jesus as king. But as a follower of Jesus, we do follow a higher authority. And that authority is Jesus. But of course, we're not that different like the people of Judah. We worship other things. We start putting something or someone else in the place of God. With Thanksgiving, we start the busy holiday season. People will be busy because, well, you have to be busy. <laughs> all of the shopping, all of the parties, all of everything can cover up the season can cover up what the followers of Jesus, what we as Christians are called to do. And I am not saying, talking about saying Merry Christmas. I'm talking about being mindful of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. And we're waiting for something. Or should I say someone. We are waiting for the arrival of Jesus. To wait means to give up control. We no longer set the times or the rules. We are waiting, and we are waiting because we know that something needs to be changed. We know that something needs to be changed in our own hearts, in our own lives. We know, just like the people of Judah, that we have made way too many concessions, and we have stopped making the main thing the main thing. The story that I said from the beginning from Star Trek is so fascinating because there are things in our own lives that we, they're so normal, that we are so used to seeing, that they start to disappear, even though we can, can see them. It's funny because this talks about the Constitution because in our own society today, we don't learn as much about the civics. So many of the, and that has a huge impact on our nation. So we can talk about all the symbols 
that we want about our nation, but we don't know the meaning. And that can be the same sometimes during this holiday season. We can talk about the Christmas, we can talk about all the decorations, but we can lose the meaning. The people of Judah didn't stick to the reforms that Josiah brought in. After a while, they went back to their old ways. The thing is, that's human. We aren't that different. The only thing is that the idols sometimes that we go after are not statues. They are other things that take the place of God. Christ the King Sunday reminds us, calls us back to God, and tells us what is the main thing, who is the king in our lives. The holiday season is upon us. In all of our busyness, let us remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.